Things happen. Things happen. Say that with me. Things happen. Say it again. Things happen. There are things that happen to us that we cannot control, and I'll give you a little idea of what I'm talking about there. This message today has to do with healing happens. That at the end of the service, we're going to believe uh, that the Holy Spirit is here, and Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, we are in His house at His pleasure. And that when we believe Him, that healing can take place, not just in the physical body, but we know that some of you that are listening online right now, and there are thousands of them, and some of you in this room need healing, not just physically, but you need an emotional healing. You need a healing because you're worrying way more than you should. You're not sleeping. Or maybe something has happened to you adversely that has broken your heart. Or maybe you have harbored hurt feelings and, and uh, you just continue to let that prod away at your peace and the joy that you should have. And this message is going to deal with the fact that God can, can heal, does heal, if we respond to Him appropriately. Romans, Paul writes in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, say all things, all things, God works for the good of those who what? Who love Him. So how are we supposed to entertain that Scripture? Well, just like it says, that in, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. So right, God, if something adverse happens to me, is it because you allowed it to happen for my good? Is there something I can learn? There are two things that happen. God either permits something that happens in our lives, or God initiates something for His good cause. I'm telling you, the devil does not have control over you. You are in, as a believer, the palm of Almighty God. Amen. When things don't work out, you got to be saying, well, God, I don't know why it didn't work out. I gave it my best effort, but I know that something good is going to happen, and there's something you need to do in me. And what primarily is it a lot of times? God is endeavoring to build character in us. He desires that our character emulate the character of Jesus Christ. So God said, I want to work on your character. <clears throat> I want to teach you how to have faith in the middle of a bleakness. I, I want to encourage you. And at the end of the day, here's what we know. That according to the story of Job, and it was real, that God restored more than that which was sacrificed during the time of your trial. That ought to be good news to some of you <coughs> because some of you have been through some tough, tough situations and you say, well, if that's true, there's going to be a payday really, really, really soon. Now, how do I know that when I believe that scripture in Romans 8, 28? Because it's God's word. God does not lie. God does not, God does not play tricks. God does not play around with us. His word is true. His word is powerful. And his word always remains the same. We know, of course, that we face tough circumstances. We face different situations that turn us around that is an emotional or, or happens to be psychological. And then there's the physical pain. I know what that's like lately and having uh, some challenges as it relates to, to uh, getting, uh, actually I have my shoulder on my nose now from a skin graft that's there and uh, 
And as a result of that, my nose and my head sometimes turns, wants to turn to the left shoulder because that's where the skin graft came from because it's a little confused. It knows it's supposed to be here, but it's way up here. And, and we're healing. People say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for all the cards, the well-wishers, the, uh, the texts that I received. I appreciate, I appreciate that immensely. But when, imagine now, how many's ever had something fall on your finger and it just hurt like crazy? How many's ever hit your finger with a hammer? Hello, that's good. How many of you said, Lord, when that happened, I know this is for my good? I didn't say that. You know, the first thing that often when we hit our finger with something, where does that finger go? The reality here is, here's what happens. When you have pain, I had 14 needles stuck in my nose to numb me up. I was crying like a baby and didn't even know it. I mean, I'm just tears falling down. Where's all that water coming from? My voice changed. Ooh, it hurts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just a little bit more. I thought, well, if I was not a world-class person, it would have killed the average person. I just know that. But here's what happened. It's called no septum shun. No septum shun. It is a word that says that, that that pain sent a notice to my brain that said it hurts. It hurts. That's a natural process that takes place. I, I hurt. I hurt on my finger. I hurt on my nose. I hurt on my body. If your knees are giving you a problem, that's telling your brain, hey, you got a problem, and in fact, you hurt. And when that happens, if it's an open wound, all of a sudden, your body automatically, I, I cannot control it, neither can you. But your body is so masterfully made, so wonderfully made, as we read in the Scripture that God said, I made the body with the ability to heal itself and to heal itself over a period of, over a period of time if everything else is functioning correctly. And when the, when the signal is sent to the brain, then some platelets begin to run to that area that is harmed or an open wound, and it does two things. Number one, it begins to clot to try to stop the bleeding eventually, and then those little platelets endeavor to fight off the disease of bacteria at that particular moment. <laughs> and that's called another word that is called polymorphonuclear new fratrils. polymorphonuclear neutrophils. What that means is this, that those little, I call them Pac-Man, the Pac-Man, they run to that area and they begin to do their part and start a healing process with an open wound in the body. And of course, they begin to fight the bacteria and that is called macrophage macrophage and fighting the bacteria. And in that process, it then begins to build new tissue in your body. That builds the new tissue. It says, okay, open wound. We're going to have to rebuild. And that is a medical process that says your body is wonderfully made and that through that process, God built in you to be able to be healed automatically with wounds in your body. Healing happens here on the earth. I thought, okay, what about the sequoia trees? How many of you know where sequoia trees mostly are grown in redwoods? That's Northern California, and they're there. But do you know how they reproduce? Here's what happens. The, the cones in the sequoias, the cones will not release their seed 
accept adverse circumstance like a fire. A fire comes and burns the tree or the trunk of the tree. The cones catch on fire, and the only way the cones release the seed to be able to reproduce for more trees is because of the fire. So if you look at your life and you say, you know what? I've had a lot of pain. I've been attacked. I have gone uh, in surgery. I have emotional challenges. I've got, I can't sleep. I've got challenges. I've got back, neck. I've got broken heart. I've got all of that. You know what God is saying? God is saying, hey, understand that I have the ability to heal you if you pay attention. And if your body is wounded, then the body automatically responds to begin to, to heal in itself. And so God says, even in nature, I have the ability in nature for the earth to begin a healing process, a reproduction on its own. If we look at that, then we understand in the study of this particular message, God is going to speak to us. We know that we are usually broken down into two areas, humanity. One is called a thrower, throw it away, get rid of it. The other is what's called a saver, a saver, save it. And so if you study humanity, I, I read an example of that. A couple, of course, had bought a couple of little goldfish uh, some of you have goldfish, and goldfish in your office or a tank or whatever the case, but occasionally they die, and they had the fish, and the husband went to the wife. She was in the kitchen, busy. She had the Martha spirit. And she was busy uh, just uh, doing whatever she did in there, and he went and said, hey, babe, I noticed one of the goldfish is dead in the tank that we bought just a couple days ago. And she said, don't worry about it. There's no problem. Get rid of it. Just get it and throw it away. We'll, we'll get another one sometime. I thought, well, man, that's kind of harsh. Wasn't long. A couple of weeks later, he went to her and said, hey, you know, I was just in the chair that my parents, my dad's favorite chair, and he gave it to me. He said, I was just in it. You know, we've known the leather is, is uh, torn a little bit, but he said it just broke. And she said, don't worry about it. Just get rid of it. Throw it in the junk pile. Get rid of it. We get another one maybe sometime, okay? Two weeks later, he caught cold. He was sick. He thought, well, the last person in the world that I'm going to tell that I'm sick, if she's so willingly and quickly going to get rid of the goldfish, get rid of the chair and anything else, I tell her I'm sick. I'm afraid she might tell me, hey, leave, get out of here. I don't need you anymore. Well, there's some people like that. They don't need anybody. But you know what? God is not like that. God doesn't throw you away when you're in trouble. God doesn't throw you away when you've done wrong. God doesn't throw you away because you got a mountain of problems and some of them you might have committed on your own. Here's what God does. God says, I I'm a saver. At your lowest need is when I shine brightest. When you hurt, I want you to know I've got healing in my wings. When you're discouraged, I've got encouraging words for you. When you don't know what to do and you're delirious and you're depressed and you're discouraged, I want you to know I don't get rid of you and say you haven't behaved properly. I reach down and with my arms and put them around you and say, come on, tomorrow's going to be a better day. That's the God and the Jesus of Galilee that I know. And he's our Lord and our Savior. And he said, I am at your beck and call. But he didn't just start. He goes way back, way back. Say way back, way back. 
to the Old Testament in Exodus 19.4. He's talking to his people, and this is what he says. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. In other words, the old rebellious Israelites, and though they're delivered out of Egypt, he said, like a mother eagle takes that baby eaglet and says, okay, I'm going to hide you under my feathers, and when you cannot fly, you're going to get on me, and we're going to fly together. When your wing is broken, I'm going to help it mend back together, and I'm going to take care of you. And that is the picture that God says as he looks at you and looks at me. And Psalms wrote in David in Psalms 91 verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. So he says, right as that picture you see of the baby eaglet with the mother eagle taking care of her baby, he said, that's the picture I want you to see. When you get lost in the desert of of confusion, I'm there. And when you take a journey off a sidetrack and you hit the ditch, I want you to know I'm there. And when you get to the place that you're hurting and you're down, I want you to know I'm there. I will draw you unto me. Now, the Hebrew word for wing is a word called kanaf. That's the Hebrew word for wing right there. But kanaf also means this. Kanaf also means a patch on the end of a garment. And in this case, it is the patch called the kanaf on the rabbi's prayer shawl. That was a part of the Old Testament Rabbis today still have it in many cases, and in Jerusalem, for those of you that are going to Israel with me, you'll see it, that on that prayer shawl at the bottom side, down at the hem, is the kanaf. It's wings. It's healing in my, in my wings. Now, the rabbis said, we obey these commandments because the tassels on the prayer shawl represented the various commandments. And that's why the tassels were there on the prayer shawl. And the little patch on the side was the kanaf, which meant healing, healing on the wings. We obey the commandments because they exist for the healing of the world. And so you have the song we sing at Christmas, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Here's one of the lines, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. It refers to the kanaf in that regard. Well, pastor, make that make sense. Just give me time. Israel believed out of the Old Testament that God did heal. It was circumstantial. They knew that God healed Hezekiah. They knew that God healed Naaman, who was not even a a Jew. So they have reference that God healed in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, He said, I I gave you a taste. My father gave you a taste of healing out of the Old Testament and proved that he could heal, but I am here and I am the healer. And so you can have healing anytime you want, anytime you believe, anytime you need something, I will reach down automatically without you asking 
and give you healing. Do you have any idea how many times God has protected you, protected your children, protected your family, and you had no idea that you were in arm's way, but God stepped in and brought healing without your knowledge, and we don't know that. It'll be revealed when we get to heaven. That's why we ought to praise Him every chance we get, not only for what we know about, but what we don't know about. Say, God, I honor you today. Here's something else very, very interesting. Jesus was the healer, and we know that He gave us that opportunity to be healed. And so we have our text now, and we're going to take a look in Mark, the fifth chapter. Mark is a wonderful writer. You're going to find out that he's sandwiched. Mark had the unique ability to sandwich stories in between stories. And so Mark 5, 24, here's what it says, that a large crowd followed and pressed against him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for how many years? Twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under many doctors and had spent how much? How much? All she had. Yet, instead of getting better, what? She grew worse. Does that sound like you? We have seasons sometimes that we have challenges. Sometimes they last for two days. Sometimes they last for six months. Sometimes they last for two years. Sometimes, like Paul's thorn in the flesh, it just stayed right there. But you have the privilege to be able to choose in every season, in every situation, what you choose to believe. What you choose to believe. God, wow, where are you at? Or you choose to believe. I know Paul wrote in Romans 8, 28, God, I really don't like this. I don't understand it. I'm confused over it. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And it just seems to continue to hammer me. But I know there must be something good that you're going to do in my life because I intend to remain faithful. You see, some of you are alive today because God intervened in your life in a very difficult circumstance or at a time of injury, and God reached down and miraculously touched you as a result of that. Here's the lady, the lady. We call her the anonymous lady in this story. We share the text. She was a woman that had suffered 12 years. She was anemic because she bled constantly. She bled constantly. She was weak. She had no energy. She suffered financially. She lost everything. She possibly now has become a beggar. She suffered spiritually. The Old Testament is extremely clear, and I want to share that with you today, about individuals that bled constantly. They were considered to be unclean. It was a state that she was in because of the constant bleeding. She was unclean. If she touched you, she made you unclean. If you touched her, you became unclean. If you sat on the bed that she had been on, you were unclean. If you sat in the chair in which she had sat, you were unclean. If, in fact, 
If in fact it anything that she had anything to do with that you touched. So here it is. She had individuals that were her friends that now spoke to her at a distance because they knew she was unclean. And then have you ever noticed, and it's unfortunate, that when some people get in a little trouble or some people are sick or some people have a failure or some people run into difficult straits or something unusual happens, you got some people that come up and she had those same individuals. Well, if you had enough faith, if you just had enough faith, you wouldn't suffer like that you'd be healed. You need more faith. Or some that might say she must have sin in her life, and that's why she's going through what she's going through. Or she must have done something wrong, and that's why. That's exactly why you're fa- you've done something wrong, or God must really be displeased with you. You've been rebellious. Let me say to you, and I want to say it in a kind, nice way, If someone says something like that to you and you're walking through a trial, let me encourage you in Jesus' name, rebuke them in the name of Jesus and say, I don't want to hear that because here's what I know. Romans 8, 28 says, God knows what I'm going through and he's doing it for my good. So don't come with me with what you have to say. If you don't mind, be quiet. And if you don't know what be quiet means, let me give you the Greek pronunciation, shut up. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because I hear that far too often from individuals who want to rule other people when they're already down. Well, she probably was a mom, but she couldn't touch her children. She probably had been married, but her husband is not there anymore because she's unclean. She, of course, had cried out to God every night. And here's what she heard. You know, when you are facing up against the wall, and you can't find a conclusion or a solution or something that will bring a process of healing, you're looking for everything you can look for. And so she heard in Mark's gospel, it says, Mark 5, 27, when she heard about Jesus, who at that time had been pegged as a rabbi for the teaching, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, his shawl. Because she thought, what? If I just touch his clothes, what will happen? I will be healed. Why did she believe that? Because the law and the custom of that day on that, on that shawl was the little place at the bottom that was the kanaf that said there is healing in his wings. If I can get to that, the rabbi, if I could touch that, I'll be whole. Touch is important. You ever had a kid, you watch little kids often, you're talking to somebody and they'll come up and you're, you're talking away and they go to Pat and, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Or daddy, daddy, daddy. They're patting. What, what are they patting? They're touching. They, they want your attention. They want your attention. I had a, read a story about a, 
minister who read that, and he thought, well, that, that's pretty interesting. And they had over 100 greeters in his church, and he thought, well, here's what we're going to do. You know, we're, we're going to get T-shirts for all the greeters, and uh, on the shoulder, we're going to, you know, uh, we're going to have a little place on the shoulder up there. It says, tap here if you need help. How wonderful is that? All the greeters, wear that T-shirt, tap here if you need help. He said, to begin with, it worked beautifully. He said, people will walk up and tap. He said, but then I began to lose greeters. I began to check, man, I lost 20. I lost 30 greeters. Why? Why? Here was the same story. Hey, I wore that T-shirt that the church required that we wear. Hey, you know, pat here, touch here. If you need help, before long, I, be, I got beaten up. Every time I turn around, somebody was hitting me on the shoulder, patting me there because they need help. I don't want to do that anymore. Why? Touch here. It's important if I could just touch his clothes. Now you understand the reason why she said, if I could touch his clothes, because that was where the patch was. Why did it occur to her? Because you see, she was unclean and she finally figured it out. My healing comes if I can get to the rabbi that's known to heal and I can reach and touch the hem of his garment. She had spent time in prayer. She had Googled everything she could Google. She checked every site that she possibly could, but the answer was right there in the custom of the day. If I can just touch the canal, I will have it. And here's what happened. Mark 5, 29, immediately immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering at that moment when she touched the hem of the garment that jesus the rabbi had on immediately her bleeding stopped all of a sudden she felt different all of a sudden she felt wow i don't feel the sensation of bleeding anymore all of a sudden she felt, I've never felt this way. I've never lived without having a problem of bleeding. And now all of a sudden it stopped. Wow, I, I cannot believe that. Those little platelets that I talked about began to function in her body and do what they were supposed to do in her human body and bring healing. Once she touched the hem of the garment, she begins to feel normal and what she knew is normal because she'd been abnormal all these years. And then something happened. The Bible says in Mark 5, 30, at once, not at one, but at once, she realized, or, or Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman knowingly, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. A remarkable story. The power of humanity, Jesus Jesus knew that he'd been touched because healing went out. 
he was human, but he didn't know who did it. He asked the disciples who, who touched me. The disciples, you must be joking. With this many people crowded around you, you expect us to be able to tell you. But in a moment, Jesus' eyes locked on her eyes. And she saw his look. And the Bible says that when their eyes locked, she ran, scared to death, and fell at Jesus' feet and began to cry. Why? She knew when she reached out and touched the kanaf that she had broken the law. She had no idea what Jesus' response would be. She knew that that was a custom, if I can touch it, but I'm willing to give everything I have, even disobey the law, in order for something to happen with the disease that I have. And often we find ourselves in that kind of circumstance, and, and unfortunately, far too many people walk away from God. They become disgruntled. They leave the church, and they think, I trusted God, but he never did anything for me when I needed, or he, he let this happen to me, and, and I, I thought he was going to be my protector, but he did not. She fell at Jesus' feet. Here's what the Bible said. She told him the whole truth. What that means is... She had had challenges in her own heart. She had cursed and she'd been disobedient. She had cried out. She tried other means other than following after Jehovah. She'd done a lot of stuff in her life trying to make ends meet. She might have lied. She might have stolen. She might have emotions that were there. But when she fell at Jesus' feet, she says, I'm coming and I want to tell you my whole heart. I want to tell you everything that there is about me. I'm a beggar. I have no money. I am destitute. I've done things I never dreamed that I would do. But I'm here. And I'm asking you, as I reveal my innermost being, I believe you can help me. Well, it's an amazing thing. Jesus looked down at her, and in Mark 5, 34, immediately the disciples, the immediately the disciples knew by this one word, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The term and the use of daughter meant, hey, disciples, you're not above this woman. She is a daughter now. Just because you're a disciple, she's a daughter now, and she's important to me. She now is a part of my family. I don't care what she's done. I don't care where she's been. I don't care how she got where she's at. I don't know all the things that was happened to be in her heart, but I know she's told me everything she can about me, and as a result of that, she now is a part of the family of God. But there's something I want you to notice at the very beginning of Mark's gospel in chapter 5, there in verse number somewhere 21, when Jesus again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake. Matter of fact, you go to Israel, we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee, and you'll know what it's like to cross that lake. They gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. He said, 
My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So he says, let's go, Jairus, to your little daughter. He's on his way, and out of nowhere, this anonymous woman finds her way to Jesus and touches the kanaf, and Jesus felt healing virtue go out of him. Why does Mark do that? Mark does it because he wants us to understand that, hey, it doesn't matter if I'm walking with a somebody who's a ruler in the synagogue who had assets and has money, has talents and has servants and has everything under the sun as it relates to materially. Doesn't matter if I'm with him. I felt a healing go out of me because here's what he says. I want you to know that no matter there's a somebody When a nobody comes to me, I'll stop the somebody, and you can be a somebody. Amen? He said, the first will be last, and the last shall be first. You see, Jesus, nobodies become somebodies. That lady had a presence and a moment in Jesus, and he said, Jairus must have been thinking, my daughter's dying. We got to go. Jesus said, you wait right here, buddy. I've got somebody here who has a great need. They don't understand it. She's suffered for years, and I'm going to touch her, and she's going to be healed. I can tell you it does not matter what's happened to you what you're feeling how you're hurting it doesn't matter your past it doesn't matter what's going on presently doesn't matter what no one knows in your life and heart Jesus is saying if you reach out to me I'll reach out to you and I'll take all your cares that you feel guilty and condemned and sad about I'll lift you up into the heavenly realm of the healing power of Jesus Christ that's who we serve his name is Jesus. The first should be last, and the last shall be first. Jairus is a somebody, but that moment appears. So this morning, God knows what's going on in our lives and the healing that you need. He knows the broken heart. He knows the trauma from rape. He knows the trauma. He knows the trauma from a broken heart of unanswered prayers. He knows the junk in your past. He knows the wounds that you carry. And he doesn't heal from his strength. It's important that Jesus could have, because he is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He could heal from his strength and his power. But that's not what happened. The healing that you receive, the healing of the touch of God came because he was willing to sacrifice to experience personal pain. That's why he hung on the cross with a crown of thorns in his cranium. That's why he was there, that his back was so splintered, that his face was so bruised, those who knew him could not recognize him. That's why he was pierced in his side with blood and water gushing. That's why his hands were nailed to the cross so that he could say, it's not by my power, but it's by my stripes. For the crucifixion was the worst of all pains. 
And he said, it's by my stripes. For no matter where you have been and what you have faced, I took on the cross. And I gladly give to you what I earned for you to be free, to be healed, to have a fresh anointing. How wonderful is that as we understand this lady, my body works automatically. It relates to my healing. It does. And when you come to Jesus and you ask him with a heart depending on him, he will reach out to you. I can suggest to you that counselors can only do so much. Even Christian counselors, and we have many who are part of our church. But there is one, Jesus, who's able to touch you and the purpose of this message this morning because God confirmed it as I studied this past week to bring this message to fruition. You this morning, some of you are going to leave completely different than when you came in that door. Completely different. When I was told earlier, we may have to evacuate, the first thing that hit me was this, God, the enemy will do everything he can to stop the altar service. Because this morning, miracles will come because we're going to touch the kanaf of the power and presence of Jesus Christ. Let's give the Lord a clap offering as you stand to your feet. Would you stand, please? Be prepared in your heart to respond without pressure, without persuasion, but just as God speaks to you, here's what will happen. This lady, this lady laid everything she had on the line for this one-time event to get to Jesus. That was the only priority that she had that day. It was get to Jesus. And when she got there, and she was obedient, and she had to fight through the lines as weak as she was, people knew her, and the minute she touched some of them to move them out of the way, she knew, they knew, they would be unclean. But what mattered, I must get to the Lord. And if you have that kind of faith and determination to say today, I'm going to get rid of some of this stuff the enemy plagues me with. I'm going to get rid of some of this worry. I'm going to get rid of some of this pain. I'm going to get rid of some of these emotional roller coasters. I'm going to get rid of some of this nervousness and condition. I'm going to get rid of some of this anxiety because I aim to touch him. And when you do, God will bring an anointing on you. For those thousands that are watching online in this room, just in case there's someone whose heart is crossways with God or you've never really committed your life to him, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Everybody, let's do it right as carefully as we can. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, I've made a mess of things. I need forgiveness. I need a touch touch that only you can give. give. I believe by faith faith that you are the Son of God. So here I am. With everything that I have, have, I'm asking you you 
to bring to me to bring to me the peace that comes from you the peace that comes from you i am depending upon you i am depending upon you and i am not playing a game i'm not playing a game I will trust you. I will trust you. I will believe in you. I will believe in you. And I give you my all. I give you my all. In Jesus' in name. Jesus name. Amen. We're going to sing a simple song. I'm going to give you the benediction in just a moment. I ended a little bit early so we can have just a few minutes here. But here's what will happen. If you feel led by the Holy Spirit and listening, I'm going to ask you to make your way to this altar. We're going to believe God with you if you're obedient. God will not turn you away for just as the moment the lady touched him, he knew healing went out from his body. He's here and he's ready. As we sing, you come as God directs you. Would you do that?